We're going to continue in our sermon series entitled Motivated by Invisible Realities. And what I want us to really be thinking about today is what do you value most? We are all motivated by what we value most, what we think is of greatest worth. What you treasure the most will make you move, will make you act, will make you think. You have a value system that you live by. This is more valuable than that. That's more valuable than this. And in a broken and sinful world, you know what happens with our hearts and our nature? Is sometimes our value system gets out of place. If you spend time with someone for a week, you can see what they value most. And when you look around at this world, you realize because of sin, and there's just so much evil that people are valuing things that shouldn't be valued over other things. Like, I'm blown away. I'm still trying to figure out, I'm 39 years old, why people value, like, gold and diamonds so much. I know it's pretty, but they choose that over human life sometimes. Is that crazy? That we have wars over precious metals, and we have wars over philosophies, and we will choose things that are passing away and things that are uh, material over things that are eternal, like people in human life. I was watching a podcast this week. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. it. It got crude, and I had to shut it off. But I heard this story that I thought would be applicable today. It was two comedians talking about a story. This, this comedian had two routines to do. And he was up there doing his routine, and he saw a man and a woman walk in. And the way he described it, he says, she was beautiful, she was a 12, and he was a 4. On a scale of 10. All right? So he said, why is this beautiful woman with a beautiful woman with this unattractive guy? Don't start throwing yourself on the scale with whoever you're with today. <laughs> I'm about an eight, I'll give us. Let's not get vain up in here. But he saw this couple walk in. The first thing he knows, he's a 12, she's a four. What is she doing with him? So he does his whole routine. In between the routine he was doing too, he runs into her and they commit sexual immorality together in in the middle of the routine. So then he goes to a second routine. And he sees this man, this boyfriend, he must realize what happened in between the shows and he's yelling at the comedian. So this comedian's saying, he's got to be yelling at me because I was just with his girlfriend. He's got to be yelling because something just happened with his girlfriend because he loves her and I was with her physically. He's got to be enraged by that. You know what that guy was yelling? Where's my $40? Where is my $40 for being with my girlfriend? He was absolutely enraged, not because an image bearer, his girlfriend, who he should have greatest, put, have, have in greatest esteem, she's of greater, far greater worth than any money, he wants $40. Because what you didn't know is that man would bring her to the construction site where he worked in a van and he would drop a mattress in the back and his fellow employees would pay to sleep with her because he valued money over a human life. He valued money over an image bearer of God. He valued money over his girlfriend who should become his wife and who he should lay down his life for. Do you see messed up value systems? So even this comedian was astonished because they're they're crude. They're not God-fearing. They're atheistic. And even they were saying that value system is so messed up because the heart of man deems things more valuable when they're not. And what should be most valuable to all of us made in the image of God is the glory of God and the salvation of his people. Amen? 
We cannot let shiny things and things that are passing away in bank accounts and money and job ever get in the way of us glorifying Christ and us advancing the gospel because the enemy will put shiny things in front of us and we will waste our life trying to have those shiny things and they pass away. We should be laying down our life for each other. Amen? There's nothing more valuable here on earth right now around you than the people sitting in this room. The world's going to tell you different. It's going to tell you abandon them if it means you get money. Abandon them if it means you get esteem. Abandon them if it means you get fame. Put them down if they put you down. Like it's going to teach you all kinds of value systems that are out of whack. But what Moses did today that we're going to learn from, he was motivated that God and the salvation of his people was of far greater worth than any wealth, any empire, any passing pleasures that sin would bring. And I pray that today, ask yourself, are you making other things of more worth, of more value than the glory of God and advancing his kingdom for the salvation of many? It says Moses, he embraced the reproach of Christ and he chose to be mistreated with the people of God because he said that is of greatest worth. Let's turn to Hebrews eleven, twenty-three through 29. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. So we're talking this whole series to be more motivated by a God you can't see in a city that you believe is going to exist in heaven and come down to earth than you are by any political figures, kings, in this case pharaohs, or empires you can touch. So it says Moses was more motivated by the invisible God he couldn't see and that affected his whole life. By faith, we please God. Now, Moses is one of the most well-known biblical figures, whether it's like me, whether you watch the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, who grew up with that Moses? Charlton Heston, every Easter, just throwing it down. Or maybe the greatest, what I think is the greatest animated movie ever made, Prince of Egypt. Maybe you watched that. That's a pretty good Moses story. Don't watch the Christian Bale one, because I don't even think that's the most, I won't even, I think it's of gods and kings. I won't even give it the justice of looking up what the real title is. But that had nothing to do with the scriptures. But when it comes to Moses, I want to give you some 101. Just basic things that are in this text. Because it starts from his birth. And I want you to hear this. God orchestrates our lives. And he was right in Moses' story even before he was born. Moses was born. And what is the first thing we see by faith? It says, by faith, Moses' parents saw he was beautiful, and they hid him. 
Now, if you want to really laugh, you've got to understand that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. So what did he do? Did he say he was a cute baby? I see you, Moses. But through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you have to look deeper because it says he was a beautiful child three times. It says in Exodus 2, 1 and 2, Acts 7, 20, in our passage today, it says he was a beautiful child. And the first step of faith was by his parents. I want to give you guys a deeper look into that because I'm sure there were other cute babies in the district. And when Pharaoh ordered that all sons were killed, it wasn't just some parents thought their kid was ugly so they didn't hide him. Do you guys understand me? It says he was a beautiful child. You see in Acts 7.20, we see what really happens here. It says, at this time Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. He was beautiful in God's sight. This means this child found favor with God. He was called. He was set aside. He was chosen to live his life for the glory of God and the salvation of his people. How many people here have felt God's presence even from a young age and you realize God had a a plan for your life? How many parents here have looked at your child and some supernatural said, this child is meant to be set apart for the glory of God and the salvation of many? God does that. He sets us apart in our mother's womb to serve him, to love him, to live by faith, to live by his glory. And the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep you distracted by shiny and sinful things so you don't live for the purpose you were made for. And so we do not unite as the local church to bring glory to God. So many people come from being captive to finding freedom in Christ. Amen? So what happened is Moses' parents said he has a call in his life. We fear God more than any Pharaoh, and they hid Moses. They threw him in the Nile. They didn't throw him. They put him in gently into the Nile. And what happens, and this is the beauty of God works everything out for good. I don't know about you guys. I'm an overprotective parent. I'm not dropping my kid in the Nile. You've got to have faith to make up a basket and say, it's going to be all right there, kid. It's going to be all right. You've got to have some faith for that. But what happens? God's moving even before we're having faith. And we're stepping out and we see the story being written because it's his story and we're just a character in his story. And Pharaoh's daughter comes out. She sees this baby and basically makes him her own. He goes from a Hebrew slave child whose parents, he's running for his life that God supernaturally puts him in the most powerful family on earth, just like that because of the faith of his parents. I'm telling you, parents right now, have faith with your children. Take them out of the world and put them on the mission of God and see the wonders and the glorious things that God does. I remember my mother did that. I remember the change. Five years old, all of a sudden I'm in church, and it made me think and it made me realize that my life was meant for more. And have faith in God that he does the same with all his children because that's the first faith we see. Moses grows up. He's growing up in the household of Pharaoh. Now you want to talk about riches? Swing by Egypt in the day. Just go down to the Museum of Fine Arts. These brothers who, who have been buried for thousands of years, they look in better shape than some of us. They smell good too. They're just wrapping them in the most precious stuff. They're smelling good. They're still preserved. They had all the riches. They were the most powerful 
dynasty empire on earth. The pyramids, we still look in awe. Pharaoh, all kinds of jewels. And now Moses is his adopted grandson. He's growing up with all the prestige, all the power, all the privilege. Slave child to put in the household of Pharaoh. You want to talk about privilege with education? Privilege, he pointed his finger, you do that. Privilege with all the comfort you could ever ask for. But a moment happens in Moses' life that is pivotal. He looks out. He's a leader in this huge empire. He has grown up. He looks out and he sees an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew. A G- Egyptian, who he is one now, and a Hebrew, who he is one and always will be one. And he becomes enraged, and he makes a decision in rage that will change his life forever. He strikes down the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. He's so enraged that his people are being mistreated. Now, I don't recommend making pivotal decisions and killing someone, so you've got to take a certain path in life. But Moses murdered someone because his people were being mistreated. And at that moment, he chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the comfort and the riches and the passing pleasures of sin. That's the path of a Christian. If you want comfort, this road is not for you. You have to remember who we follow. We say we follow Jesus. Jesus was bloody and beaten and crucified. If you want comfort, the Christian road is not for you. That's why people turned all the time. No, I can't do that. I believe you are who you are, but I can't give up that. I can't deny myself. I can't be persecuted. I can't be mistreated. I'm too timid for that. But if you follow Jesus, you've got to understand It is not comfortable, and you will be mistreated if you stand with Christ because Christ was pinned to a cross. He chose not the path of comfort, not the path of privilege, but the path of pain. And you can only do that if you believe that God exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. You're only willing to give up the things of this earth if you truly believe that the God we sing, are singing to today and here to worship today exists. You only act in faith when you have those kind of convictions, and Moses believed there was a God beyond a shadow of a doubt, and he thought he was worth it all. There's a great story of a missionary named William Bolden. So William Bolden was during the time of 1904, one of the richest and wealthiest families in the nation. At about 16 years old, he got so convicted about living for Christ that he would live passionately. He gave his everything to Jesus. When he went to Yale, you went to Yale back in the day, you go to Yale now, it's big time. He went to Yale in 1904, had all the prestige, all the power, he started leaving prayer meetings that over a thousand people were started praying each morning. You would find him with the homeless, giving them food, sharing the gospel. He would go to the most disenfranchised students and share the gospel with them. He would stay at shelters sometimes just to show the love of Christ to people, right? He was so passionate about the things of God. And he decided he wanted to be a, 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 a missionary in China. But he was going to reach a Muslim people, so he had to learn Arabic, So what he did, he stopped in Egypt. He left all the wealth, all the comfort, all the education. One of the richest families in the nation, comfortable his whole life. People would have said, if I only had that life, if I was rich and I was famous, then I would be happy. That's the life that people aspire to when they don't understand the riches of Christ. If I only had that, he had it. He left it all. 
And he died in Egypt at 25 years old. His tombstone is still there. But why I want to tell this story? Of course, he has inspired millions of missionaries to lead the comfort and the riches and not aspire to things that are passing away and live for the eternal. But what is said on his gravestone really shook me to the core this week as I was studying for this message. It says, apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Why would a man who's born into the wealthiest family with all the riches, privilege, education, and comfort, leave his home to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because he deemed Christ more worthy than anything that was passing away, amen? Why would Moses leave Egypt, grandson of Pharaoh, anything you could ever want, all the bells and whistles, top chariots, all the passing pleasures of fleshly sin, why would he leave that comfort to go be a shepherd and lead a slave people to freedom? Because he believed that God was worth more than these things that are passing away. And apart from faith in Christ, life's like ours, life's like theirs, make absolutely no sense. It makes no sense for us to be here today if we don't believe there's a God. No sense. It makes no sense for you to give anything, resources, talents, gifts, anything apart from our faith that there is a God and there's more than this life than what we can see now. And this is going to pass away quick and we've got to abandon this to get that. It makes no sense unless you have faith. If you have faith today, you have one of the greatest gifts you can ever receive. It's miraculous. If you believe there's a God in heaven who sent his son for you, you've been given everything. You possess everything. They can take money away from you. Your house could burn down. You can lose your 401k. Someone could die in your family. Those things can be taken away from you. But salvation in Christ and relationship with God, and eternity heaven can never be taken away from you because of your faith. Is that awesome, Restoration Road? I hope you're getting fired up. You know, the flesh, the flesh wants it all now. If you want to live a life pleasing on the God, if you want to be motivated, you can't want it now. The flesh wants it now. The flesh wants it like the passing pleasures of sin. But faith does something. Faith is willing to sacrifice and abandon and deny for that which is greater later. Everything you give up on this earth, everything you sacrifice, all the time you give for the glory of Christ will be rewarded in the next life. But what the enemy wants to do is he wants to keep you distracted, like I said, with things that are passing away. Because when you're distracted, you can't be on the mission of God. When you're consumed with things of this earth, you cannot be living for heavenly glory. I remember when I, um, me and my buddies, we used to go downtown Boston. I lived in Brookline for a little while. We went to downtown Boston. We were doing some shopping. And we're going in downtown, and this dude starts running up the street. And it's like me and two of my buddies. And uh, he had this gold chain in his hand. And he said, man, I just stole this from the store. I'll give it to you for 50 bucks. This chain looked like it was worth $2,000. It was back when um, New Jack City was big, so everyone got big chains. I'm 39, so New Jack City was a big hit. The bigger the chain, the better man you were. You understand me? 
So he threw the chain and said, listen, 50 bucks, I'll give you it right now. My buddy made a quick decision, and he gave him the 50 bucks, and he threw the chain in his pocket. He rocked this chain over the next two weeks like he was Pharaoh. You understand me? He wore it out. He was like, it was glistening, shining. We were like, man, you got that chain for 50 bucks, dog. After two weeks, something strange happened. He said, Joey, you want to buy this chain? I said, why would this man want to sell me this chain? But I'm naive. I'm 14. I got like $50 in my piggy bank. He says, I'll sell you this chain, man. This is a bad chain, brother. I said, thank you for thinking of me. I'm going to buy this chain. I bought that chain, and I rocked that chain around like I was Pharaoh. I was like, man, look at my chain. Look at the worth of this chain. Only 50 bucks. This thing's worth like two Gs. After a few showers and a few days, I started to know something was happening in this chain. It was chipping. And I'm looking in the mirror like, something ain't right here. It wasn't gold. He knew that it was fake, and he figured it out after two weeks. But he still sold me something of which I gave my whole piggy bank, and then I realized it wasn't worth it. That's what the enemy does to us. He said, this is worth everything. Just do this. It only will cost this. And we rock it maybe 10, 20, 30 years, and we say, oh, man, I got something. Then we realize as life goes by, this really isn't worth what the enemy told me it was worth. This wasn't worth my family. This wasn't worth me advancing the gospel. This wasn't worth me using my gift for the glory of God. This wasn't worth it. And I want to ask you today, what has the enemy sold you that you need to throw back? Is it a job? If I just take this job, everything's going to be all right. And before you know it, we don't see you anymore. And you don't use your gifts and your talents and your resources to advance the gospel. What is it? Is it the passing pleasures of sin? Who Moses said, I don't want, I refuse those passing pleasures of sin. Is there a sin that's so good to you that it's worth more to you than God? Will you say, I know this is wrong. I know this is going to stop my walk. I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know this is not going to bring glory to God. I know this is a bad testimony to that person I've been preaching to. But you say, you know what? This is worth more than God. I need this now. Please abandon that. That's fake jewelry. That's fake jewelry. And there are men and millions of men and women who wasted their life over fake jewelry. Please hear what I'm preaching. And who has an ear, hear that. We have to say no to wealth if it's taking us away from the glory of the wealth and the riches of Christ. We have to say no to jobs if it's taking us out of the army of the Lord. We have to say no to the passion pleasures of sin if it's going to cause this temple of the Holy Spirit to be defiled because it stops the mission and we're not able to live for the glory of, the God, glory of God and the salvation of many. Amen? This is the stuff of life right here. If you want to live your life for what matters and what is worth, abandon it all because Christ is worth it all. Amen? We know that. We know that. Now, Moses, he looked for the reward, and there's beautiful things that happen, even you see in this passage. Moses and his people don't experience the wrath of God. Everyone knows about the Passover, right? What happened at the Passover? God instructed his people, sacrifice the lamb, put it over the post so your sons won't be murdered. And by faith, Moses did that. 
and he saw that the wrath of God passed over God's people, but it wasn't the same for the Egyptians. They lost their firstborn sons. So by faith, he's already seeing atonement in the grace of God. Then imagine the journey of Moses. You go from Hebrew slave child to high up in Pharaoh's house back to Hebrew deliverer. And you're getting chased by the greatest armies on earth and you're standing in front of an ocean with the people that you're in charge of and you've got nowhere to go. And you hear the voice of God say, lift up your rod. I'm about to do something the world's about to talk about for all eternity. This man by faith, imagine this journey. The God he loves, the God he gave everything for, he lifts up his rod and a sea separates. That ain't Hollywood. A sea separated for God to show his glory. And God's people walked on dry land. Now what makes it amazing? They go through the dry land. The Egyptians try to do the same and the water comes down on them. Once again, they experience grace, the people of God by faith. And the people who refuse God and worship many gods and no gods and live for the passion, pleasures of this world, they receive the wrath of God. Now with all that said, that brings us to the gospel, right? Moses is a man who needed salvation from God. And Jesus is the greatest deliverer. We should know Jesus every day as the redeemer of our lives. I thought like after following Jesus 11 years, I'd wake up and feel like I didn't need to be delivered or freed or need peace. I'm feeling like I need it more every day. Are you in the same boat? I'm like, man, 11 years, I thought I was going to wake up, read poetry, some Hebrew, eat dinner, and go preach the gospel. Eat breakfast, I don't eat dinner in the morning. But what I realized is we need God as Redeemer more every day. Now, there's a distance from Egypt to the desert to be a shepherd. There's a greater distance from heaven to earth. Now, there's a distance. You're Pharaoh, you're in Pharaoh's family, you're pointing your finger, you have all the comfort, so you're a shepherd and now you've got to work manually. But imagine being the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, enthroned above. There's creatures that are just made to worship you all day and give you glory. They're made for that specific purpose, just to cry out holy and glorious all day. This is where Jesus dwelt. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is God. Everything was made through him. He had to make a choice. Am I going to leave the comfort of heaven to take on flesh, to be beaten, bruised, mistreated, and crucified? What am I going to do? I can stay comfortable or I can lay down my life. That's the choice we all have. But Jesus laid down his life. He chose, I don't think we understand that distance fully. I don't think we, we need to remember that a perfect God took on flesh to be beaten, to be spit on, to be smacked, to be flogged, to be ripped apart, his beard ripped out, ridiculed. You want to talk about mistreatment? Listen, we deserve to be mistreated sometimes because we're mean. Sometimes we're nasty. Like, we should be mistreated sometimes. We're sinners, and they, we've, everyone repents. You know what I'm trying to say. But when you're perfect and sinless, and they murder you, that's a different kind of mistreatment because you're perfectly innocent. There wasn't someone on that cross who sinned a few times or had a couple bad attitudes. There was a perfect, spotless lamb that was pinned to that cross. Now, we think we're good, right? If someone told you God, the perfect one, was going to walk in here, you would say, oh, we're going to treat him great. That's the son of God. 
We're going to give him the works. We're going to lay out the carpet. We're going to give him the best food. We're going to do everything because he's the son of God. Do you know what happened? He came to earth. And we said, we don't want to hear what you have to say. We want to live in our darkness. We don't want your light. And we murdered God. That's mistreatment. And the reason I tell you all that to feel the weight of that is because Jesus did it because he thought we were worth it. He thought you and me were worth it. We don't even think we're worth it sometimes, right? We say to ourselves, I'm not worth it. But God Almighty said, we are worth it that I'm going to let my son lay down his life. It's actually, if you look through the Old Testament, look through the Bible, he calls us his treasure. That's an amazing, amazing thing. He calls us his treasure. And I just want to read you a scripture as we approach closing here. It's from Philippians 2, 5 through 10. So we really get an idea of what Jesus did. It says, have this mind. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it if that works better. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under earth. Is that an amazing scripture? Though he was equal with God, took on a form of a servant, and was obedient unto death. Do you see the path of the Christian there? I refuse the comfort, the riches, and the passion pleasures of this world because Christ is worth everything. Please, when you hear this message today, whatever the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, as one of your pastors, I'm urging you, God is worth more than anything. You will never waste your time serving God you will never waste your time loving somebody because he is worth it all. Jesus is the greatest. Jesus is the deliverer, and he's worth it all. Let's pray.